Happy Monday, everyone. It is another edition of the show here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. Along with Jeremy Poplin, I am Colby Daniel, Scott File on the other side of the glass in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Dusty Dvorak joins us via the Blitz Hotline. Dusty, happy Monday, my friend. How was the weekend? Weekend was fantastic. Uh, we made it through Saturday. Boy, it was cold, blustery. I talked to you Friday, getting blown all over I-44 on my way out to Grand Lake, and there was some cold weather behind that. Saturday was uh, was very chilly, but man, I was there for work, putting uh, beds together and and getting getting the house ready for uh, for the upcoming spring and summer. So it was great, man. Just nice to be at the lake and. Got a chance to be indoors a lot, so I watched quite a bit of, of basketball. Uh, much bigger fan of the college basketball games than I was the NBA All-Star festivities <laughs> on both Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If it wasn't for Steph and Sabrina, I think the whole thing would have been a complete and total failure. But that was – they got to do something different, man. That What once was something that I think was appointment viewing – with NBA All-Star weekend festivities, especially the dunk contest. It's terrible, man. The product is bad. It doesn't – definitely that game yesterday, I, I could only stomach about 10 minutes worth. It was unwatchable. It's almost as if, like, if everybody just wants to take the weekend off, just take the weekend off. I don't know. I, I don't know what Adam Silver and the NBA does, but 10, 15 years ago, again, that was appointment viewing – and now, man, I got to tell you, it, it was tough for me to watch Saturday and, and definitely yesterday as well. It was bad, bad ball. Well, I think especially with like All-Star Saturday night, if you don't have the superstars of the league involved in the events all night long, I think you're, you're, just, you're missing what All-Star weekend is about, right? It's about seeing the best players in your league perform. That's literally why it's called All-Star Weekend weekend and the dunk contest especially right this was the crown jewel of all-star weekend throughout our entire childhood and it's reached a point where you know there are some years i i don't know i literally have never heard of of a name or two of the participants and um yeah i think until you get the superstars competing in this thing in the dunk contest now i i i enjoy the three-point contest but i did too you know there's there's a ceiling i think in terms of of uh, maybe what you can accomplish with that as opposed to, you know, on the years that we get a really good dunk contest. But same thing for the the All-Star game. I think until you can get your players to play at a much higher level, um, you know, you're probably missing the boat. And I think the reality is none of these guys want to get embarrassed, right? Especially in this age of social media where if somebody dunks on you or somebody crosses you over – or in the dunk contest, if you miss a dunk or you look like an idiot trying to dunk, it's going to become a meme and everybody's going to laugh at you. And I don't think any of the big stars in the NBA want to risk the embarrassment of, of that situation, whether it's on Saturday night or Sunday in the game. So nobody plays defense. That was yesterday. It was an abomination. Again, like I don't 211 points, Colby. I mean, what are we? <laughs> Does anybody enjoy watching that? I, I did not. I couldn't watch it. Um, to like the I will say, contest. the only thing that that I was like, this is incredible, is just the shot making ability of these guys, and and sure. whether they're being defended or not, making right. a lot of these long shots. But to your point, it's not a competition. It's it's more of a you know they're showing off their skill in that way, which I think is 
amazing that, that there are that many guys that have that high level skill. But to your point, doesn't mean it's a great product necessarily. What I will say is it is pretty astounding that when you leave pros open, how many shots they can just knock down like it's nobody's business. I mean, it, it is it does remind you just how talented and skilled these guys are. But I, I don't know, man. I, I thought I was glad to see they went from picking teams to East West. At least I know how to identify who's on what team. But eight to ten minutes is all it kept me. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, it did not seem like they cared to be there, especially defensively. So I'm kind of like, if they don't care to be there, why am I there? I, we did have on the All-Star festivities on Saturday night. I thought, I thought Sabrina Ionescu and, and Steph Curry was fantastic television. I mean, she was on the heels of Caitlin Clark doing what she did the other night for Sabrina to go out there and make 26 points, which was as much as any of the men did during the actual contest, which yeah. Dame Lillard won second straight year in a row. I thought that was incredible. And then Steph had to have a curry flurry down the stretch uh, just to beat her. So, like, to me, that, that stole the show. I thought that was great. Build upon that. Do more, you know, try to find ways to do different things. I would rather watch horse with the actual superstars and you may get beat. So what? But like, I'd rather watch yeah. something where there's a competition with exactly what you said with the stars of the NBA. Matt McClung is a great dunker. He's phenomenal. He's played in four NBA games, Colby Four. I mean, he's a G league player. There's nothing wrong with that, but he should not be back to back dunk champion for the NBA all-star weekend. I, again, I, he's awesome at what he does. Or if you want to just read what Jacob top, I don't think he's played in an NBA game yet. He's a, he's a G league guy. If, if you want to, and then Jalen Brown, some of the dunks Jalen Brown did were so terrible. And you know, the, the uh, uh, officials or the, the, you know, Gary Payton and, and Dominique Wilkins, the guys that were scoring it, just their scores were so, it was awful. Like, the one that Jalen Brown did where he jumped over the kid sitting in a chair and he didn't even cover his eyes until after he dunked it. I was like, what is this? Like, is, this <laughs> is this some kind of joke? Like is what, what's happening right now? I know they clearly wanted to get a superstar to give them a chance to win, but it was, I mean, it was so clear that Matt McClung was better. I just, from what, the what we grew up watching for the dunk contest and all-star weekend to what it's become it's sad to me and it's almost like if you don't revamp it and figure something out like go get guys if you want to just fully embrace guys that aren't in the nba and just put together like a million dollar purse for the greatest dunkers on the planet go to youtube and find different people i guess you can do that i don't think i'd pick nba all-star weekend when it's a celebration of your league and your greatest players I would come up with anything you can do that gets those guys involved because that's what I want to see. I think that's what your your average NBA fan wants to see. They they don't they don't want to see guys that they have to Google and Wikipedia just to find out who they are. Like you want the people competing in these events to be household names, the stars uh, and faces of your league. And right now, it's just it's anything but that on Saturday night. I've said forever, growing up a, a fan of the movie White Men Can't Jump, I, how do you not have a two-on-two -two tournament oh. All-Star Weekend? Like, how great would that be? Let them pair up however they want to pair up, and, you know, I, I, All-Stars only, and you can just do a little mini tournament. I mean, you know, you don't go to, what, 15? 
wouldn't take long by ones and twos. And you just have a tournament with every all-star. You just pair them off, however, and play it until you have a champion. That, that would be incredible. That would be great television. I know somebody yesterday threw out the idea of, of um, you know, the, the three-point competition yesterday that, that, you know, you mentioned Steph going on that flurry. Like, add Dame and, and Caitlin Clark to that and do a yes. guys versus girls, right? Like a, a yes. team type of setting. How cool would that be? That would also be awesome. terrific. But – the point is you have to have your superstars, hence All-Star Weekend, participating in this. And, and you know, I'll say this about the game. I think the game, nobody's expecting anybody to, you know, pick somebody up full court and to just play lockdown defense. But when you just watch somebody dribble all the way to the rim and you don't even make an effort to, like, stand in front of them and make them go around you, I mean, come on, right? Like, at least stand in front of them. Like, that, that would that would at least give somebody the illusion of, of them having to, to work a little bit to get buckets. But not only, not only does nobody stand in front of them, they actually move away. Oh yeah. They'll get they out of the way. Yeah. Get out of the way <laughs> yeah. uh, to make it that much easier. And like, I, Larry bird even gave like an impassioned little speech and tried to, you know, challenge the guys to compete and go out there and, you know, really ratchet it up to another level. Uh, message not received from Larry Legend <laughs> by the current All-Star. So, uh, I don't know. I, there's part of me, like, I give the NFL credit. Maybe Peyton Manning has somewhat saved the NFL because, you know, I, I think that w- where the Pro Bowl had gotten was in such a bad place. And at least they acknowledge it. They recognize it and said, we got we to gotta change our course of action we got to revamp this and I give them credit for at least trying something. So I, I don't know what Adam silver, the NBA do, but they got to do something different because I will not be tuning in next year. If the format is similar outside of maybe for the three point contest, because it's crazy how the dunk contest was no doubt about it. The star of the show. And now it's just like, really? It's been that way for a while. It's just kind of been. You're right. Not any good. There are some years that, you know, maybe we get a surprise and maybe there are some good dunks usually from, again, people that aren't all stars, but, but even, you know, most years you're not even getting that most years. It's like, what a terrible product that was. It was. And, and again, there've been a few years here and there where I've been pleasantly surprised despite there not being any star power, but the three point contest has, has clearly become, I think the more entertaining event of those two over the last, I don't know, decade or so, but man. It was bad. Speaking of bad and speaking of poor products, uh, as we transition, boy, the Oklahoma Sooners offensively in the second half against Kansas was that. 18%? Um, is that is that the number? Yes. I mean, they, they had the 10-point lead, you know, about midway through the first half. Maybe it was closer, probably five minutes from halftime. And Kansas closed out well. And then what was so bad about it is you honor Billy Tubbs at halftime, who is Billy Ball is known for their offense. And you come out and you play like that offensively. I mean, they they could not score the basketball, Colby. It was the darndest thing that I was watching. It wasn't – I don't want to take anything away from Kansas. And clearly, Kansas got a big boost from McCuller being back. He makes a massive difference on that team, not just scoring the ball, but – Obviously, from his time at Texas Tech, he's a really good defender. 
But it wasn't like – I didn't think Kansas was just locking Oklahoma down. Oklahoma just could not make a shot to save their life. Uh, they had a couple of different scoreless stretches where they were not making field goals, open threes, open looks. Nothing was going down. That was – that was as bad a second half as they've played at home all season. And as you and I talked Friday, it really felt like this was a, a, a prime opportunity. I know Oklahoma was shorthanded. They had a couple of guys out, and it would have helped them. But this was a prime opportunity to get a, a win at home that you needed against Kansas. Last time you'll play Kansas for who knows how long. And you're in position to win the game, and you just no-show in the second half of that ball game. That was – I was disappointing to say the least. I expected a better effort, uh, especially on the offensive end, than what Oklahoma was able to put forth in that second half. That was, that was about as bad an offensive ball as we've seen all year from Oklahoma. And it's not like this is an offensive juggernaut, so I think that's really saying something. Well, and you go back to that Bedlam matchup in Norman a week ago. Uh, that that didn't, I think, uh, give anybody a good feeling about either side of the equation, right? That was one of the uglier games uh, that you'll watch, and then Bedlam coming up in Stillwater. Um, again, I, I know that I think from a number standpoint, OU is in fine position, but don't get the warm and fuzzies when you just think about where Oklahoma basketball is at the moment. No, and again, it was just, gosh, it was such a it was such a bad showing uh, in the second half. And, uh, you know, Kansas might have found something. McCuller gets healthy. I, I, I give him some credit, but. Uh, boy, both these teams and Oklahoma State bounced back. They had a nice win, but this is um, – you look at the remaining schedule for Oklahoma, you got three games on the road in Stillwater and Ames, which is going to be absolutely brutal given the way Iowa State's playing next week, uh, you know, for next week. And then you got Houston at home, which is going to be an absolute bloodbath. And then you guys still have to go to Texas. Like, boy, I can't even begin to tell you how big that game's going to be in Stillwater for Oklahoma because – if they lose in Stillwater, I think they beat Cincinnati at home, but do you feel good about any other games no. on the, the remainder of their schedule? No. And if they drop all the way to 7-11 and 11 in conference play, is it a guarantee they're getting in? I mean, I think they will, but... I th- they might need some tournament, some Big 12 tournament help if that, if that were to become a reality. But yeah, these last five games, I mean, you only have two of the five at home. One of them is against... Number two, Houston, and the others against Cincinnati. That Cincinnati game is, is is your most winnable game, I think, in terms of the five. And at Oklahoma State is is next. And if you don't get that one, you you are looking down a barrel that you don't want to be looking down. And, I, you know, just I think in terms of where Oklahoma State is at the bottom of the Big 12, uh, that's just going to, I think, further some of the conversations about, you know, just the, the overall momentum of the Oklahoma basketball program there's no doubt and and it's going to be a buzzsaw going in there to gia right i mean that i would have to imagine i don't think that yeah i don't think attendance has been great but the last crack at oklahoma for who knows how long i i would expect a a great environment uh there on on saturday so it uh that was again i that was bad the second half of that game, I was I was really disappointed. I, I maybe I had set myself up for failure because I thought I was just expecting Oklahoma to play well, and they did for a half, and then they just completely, completely disintegrated offensively in the second half. And now their their backs are against the wall. It'll be a much needed week because they get pretty much the entire week to rest up, get right before 
Stillwater next weekend, but I, I don't know what Porter Moser's got up his sleeve this week, but I, I would have to think some soul searching and to go on, get yourself healthy, get yourself right. And you better find a way to go to Stillwater and get a win because if you don't, boy, you're leaving a lot of things up to chance given how tough the remainder of that schedule is for them. And speaking of Stillwater, what a win for Mike Boynton and crew. Uh, clearly oh at the bottom of the Big 12, right? And I think on the heels of the comments he made last night, comments that I I think are correct as well, uh, but as we talked about on Friday, you know, sometimes with the timing and the losing, fans aren't necessarily receptive to hearing the truth. Um, on the heels of those comments, hosting a top 25 team in the country – uh, you know, all these fans saying, like, if you want more money, start winning, you know, that sort of mentality. Um, I, you know, I, th- I thought there was a lot of added pressure maybe to that matchup. Not that anybody expected them to win, but there was added pressure because of those comments. And they delivered the best performance of, of the season from a, a conference standpoint and uh, just really controlled that game from start to finish. What a what an effort by the crew in Stillwater. Yeah, BYU's been BYU's been really good this year coming into the league and the way that they played. They, they you knew they were going to be a, a formidable program, but they I think they've exceeded most people's expectation. I just offensively, Oklahoma State was on fire, man. That that's got to be. I don't I don't know exactly, but against it, given the opponent, that's got to be as good as they played offensively all year, right? Almost sixty percent from the field, uh, and absolutely to your point. I mean, really handled this game start to finish shared the basketball 16 assists on the night didn't turn over too much but really just shot the lights out from three and and all throughout the course of the night so good on Mike Point and getting the team to respond it's I mean it's still a tough season I mean there's really no way to, to put around it but um, you got a, a BYU team coming in that's 19 in the country and you find a way uh, to beat them and win the game handily that's that should at least go a little ways with your fan base given all the back and forth we saw this past week. So that was, that was impressive. I don't know what the number on that game was. I think Oklahoma state was either a slight favorite or right around a pick them for them to win that game. That impressive. That was, I saw they were six and a half point underdogs on they Friday. They were a six and a half point underdog yeah. in that game. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that's a, it's a great performance. So clearly shows that they're capable of playing pretty well and they put it all together and uh, makes that, that matchup in Stillwater on Saturday for the Sooners that much scarier, in my opinion. Well, and, and, you know, it's not like they have a cakewalk the rest of the way either. And you got to just assume that they've taken the role of let's play spoiler every time out, right? We have a handful of, of matchups and not saying they couldn't go on some crazy run. Uh, it doesn't seem likely, but at some point you probably just embrace, you know, playing spoiler and trying to, to knock off somebody else's opportunity to advance to the next stage. So, you know, I, I, maybe that's, maybe they've taken on a little bit of that role. I would think that at some point your, your mindset, your goals change a little bit. Uh, I don't know what the messaging from Mike Boynton is at that point in the year, but I think you're, you're exactly right. If you can play spoiler, uh, I'll tell you what, man, they got some winnable games left on the, the schedule. If you could find a way to go to Cincinnati and get a win on Wednesday, come back home for Oklahoma and UCF, like all of a sudden you put together a little winning streak. Uh, that could be at least a strong way to close out the year at Texas, Texas Tech coming to town. And then I'm sure BYU is licking their chops to get the Cowboys back in Provo at elevation. Um, but, yeah, I think that you're right. I think that the mindset's got to be at this point, let's just finish best we possibly can. If we can play spoiler to anybody's season, 
let's do it. And especially next Saturday with the Sooners come to town, if you could help, uh, you know, foil their year that started off so strong, I would, I would imagine that would make a lot of people in Stillwater really happy. No doubt about it. And uh, look, there's always the big 12 tournament that, uh, you know, somebody can punch their ticket, but uh, again, that doesn't seem likely, but you know, it's. I think at this stage, it's it's about positive momentum and not finishing the season in a way where I think your roster feels really miserable about where things are going, right? And that's that's just the reality of college athletics now in general. Is I don't think you want to finish a year where a number of your players, especially young guys, are thinking, you know, this was a a long, terrible season. I don't want to put myself through this again, and I'm looking for the exit. Retention is key. Uh, there's no doubt. Did you, uh, speaking uh, on that, did you hear Rick Pitino go off on his players after they blew that lead to Seton Hall yesterday? No. Oh, my gosh. Called them out by name. Called them unathletic. They couldn't move laterally. They can't defend. Said it was the worst year of coaching he's ever had. I mean, he he went off. I, maybe pull that audio. It's just like, in a world where now I feel like coaches are – more hesitant than ever to call out players because you might lose them. He went scorched earth. <laughs> I don't remember a coach coming after <laughs> his players, like again, individually, not just wide sweeping. I mean, like guy by guy and what they can't do. Oh, it was, it was something else because to your point, talking about Mike Boynton, like you want to finish the positive momentum. You want to finish, you know, with your players feeling good because retention is one of the most important thing in college sports, but boy, Rick Pitino, he went uh, he went a little bit crazy after St. John's blew a big lead uh, to Seton Hall yesterday. One other thing I wanted to mention to you, if if um, if you could get anything written into a contract, like what are you? I was I was looking at the details of Sark's New Deal, and not only is he going to get ten point three million, I believe, starting next year, and then it increases a hundred thousand up until it hits eleven million. So that's pretty good. Um, then he's got some incentives, I think, that can hit around a million bucks, depending on if he went all the way, SEC championship, college football playoff, won a national championship. So that's good. And then did you see, like, the write-ins? He's got unlimited use for personal time of the jet. Pretty good. I got to say no to that. I mean, it's one thing to get it for Cruton. It's another thing you say, ah, you know what? I think uh, I think I want to go out to Napa Valley. Take, take the wife on a yeah, on a really you know, nice I want adventure. Some, want some good wine. Let's just head out to Napa real quick for for an evening. Let's head back. And then he had written in there a membership at a country club. Like, and I'm just kind of wondering when I saw that. Is that a request by him and his agent? Is that just are they just throwing that in there? Like, I wonder what part of the negotiating for Jimmy Sexton. Did the the country club membership come up when we're talking about ten to eleven million dollars annually with the million dollar escalators? I just when I saw the details of uh, and Sark has done a great job and and it you got to pay big to play big in college athletics. It's high stakes poker and he's now the third highest paid coach behind Kirby Smart and Dabo Sweeney. And you know what? Good on him. He's earned it. I just when I looked at the details of it, it's like. You know, can you not just pay for your own membership at the country club? But I mean, I'm not hating on him. If they're going to give it to him, why not ask for it? I just, I think it'd be interesting to find out kind of how the details of the negotiating goes off on some of those little smaller minutia things. I, I once had somebody that negotiates this kind of stuff tell me that 
You always ask for way more than you think you can get. And when they come back with a number that's lower than that, make up the difference in things that you would be spending your money on anyway, right? So like if you're spending your money on a house, say you want a house fee, you know, like they give you a certain amount of of, uh, living expenses or, you know, cell phone or, uh, you know, all the different things that you would spend your money on vacation time, like two cars, two cars, 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 yeah, that, yeah, 12 tickets, That's 12 right. tickets to, to all games. Yeah. I mean, just... just all the different things that, that would make your life a little bit better, make up the money difference that way, if you can, and, and see if that's a, you know, a way to find common ground. So I, I would probably have like a, you know, if I could get a massage every day before the show, Ooh, I like, that. like I'm, I'm a big massage guy. Like rub me down. Let me, let me get nice and relaxed before we, uh, before we do a show. I'm in on that. Um, I, you know, I thought country club immediately, like go play some golf in the mornings. Um, the private jet, man, I wasn't even thinking yes. private jet. I was thinking some sort of travel type scenario, but if, if, if a jet is involved, I'm in private, that, that'd be at the top of my list, my wish list, my ask list. If I can get access to that, uh, which I never will, but if, if we're living in a fantasy world, that would be up there. So kudos to uh, Jimmy Sexton and Sark. Uh, he definitely, he earned it. Uh, he's got Texas back to the top of the college football world. I think most people are going to have them in the preseason top five for next season. High expectations. I, I think outside of Georgia, they have the next best odds to win the SEC yeah. and to win the national championship. So he's in three years, he's done a lot there in Austin. And boy, they are, they are paying through the teeth. So I thought that, I, and I, I get like, we're in a weird world right now in college football and with NIL with transfer portal. And you keep hearing about, Oh, coaches, coaches don't want to coach in college coaches. Don't wanna... well, some do. And if you're in a place like Texas where you've got all the resources, all the facilities, the NIL is there and you get your pick of players. And Oh, by the way, you can earn 10 and a half million with all those other perks. I think we should dial back that every college coach doesn't want to coach in college. I get that it's not perfect and some things need to get ironed out, but I think Sark's in a pretty good spot and he's being pretty well compensated for his time. Yeah. I mean, from a roster standpoint, it's like it's Georgia, Texas, probably Ohio state and Oregon as, as the short list of who you would think would, would uh, be the favorite to win the national title. Yeah. I think, I think it's, I think that's up there. I saw something with, um, you know, I had Bill Conley on my show last week, and he does the SP Plus. And there's a lot of different factors that go in that. But, you know, he put, it's recruiting rankings, guys coming back, you know, returning production, everything. And I want to say he had Oklahoma at number 13, which is pretty good. That was good enough for seventh in the SEC. <laughs> seventh. And five of, the, five of the six in front of Oklahoma are on Oklahoma's schedule next year. So – Kind of back to – and what's funny is, you know, the over-under seven and a half, his model, you know what the win total for Oklahoma is next year? Seven. 7.6. Almost dead oh. on the number that Vegas has the, the win total at. So, it's like Oklahoma could be a really good team and still be a team that's yep. doing everything they can just to get to eight wins. Yep. Per our conversation last week, without a doubt. Dusty, yeah. my friend, glad you had a good weekend, and we'll catch up again on Wednesday. Sounds good, buddy. That is Dusty Dvorak joining us via the Blitz Hotline. I am Colby Daniels along with Jeremy Poplin and Scott File. We're back in a moment on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.